0: Hey, this is Tyson Mead, and you are listening to Deeper Digs in Rock. So take that, Eddie Van Halen.
1: History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of... Of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's
0: rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. How are you? Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. I hope your summer has been going well. Um, better strap yourself in for this one. This is going to be maybe a little bit all over the place uh, because what we're going to talk about here, we have to do another foundational episode. Um, we've done episodes on the birth of heavy metal uh, in terms of uh, what we call proto-metal proto metal being defined as before heavy metal, we've done two episodes on this now. So we've, uh, this is the third one. And I've always promised that this episode would have to happen and it is happening now. So this is going to be the last, the, the, the end of a trilogy of foundational episodes on, uh, the birth of heavy metal. And then we're free to kind of roam all over the place. We've obviously been roaming already with some of these episodes, um, But anyway, so we've done a proto heavy metal on very early, uh, you know, traces of heavy metal. We've also done a part two proto metal, which looked at the late 60s. Uh, I believe I themed everything 1969 in that one. Um, But as I cautioned uh, throughout, uh, you know, those episodes, the, the real true birth of heavy metal doesn't really happen, I don't think, in a big way until 1970. So, this is an episode that is uh, is going to be, well, I'm going to call it Who Invented Heavy Metal after a book I did on this called Who Invented Heavy Metal, a book that ends in 1971, but the but the crucial year in that book really is uh, 1970. So everything we're going to be talking about here is uh, is from 1970. Again, these words just may burble out of me. Uh, I may be a little all over the place. I've given uh, a similar talk uh, on this on on some other some other shows I've done and interviews I've done, and also at university conferences and at uh, at metal festa, uh, you know, keynote speaker kind of things. Um, so. This is a terrain I've I've gone down a few times, um, but yes, uh, this is this is pretty cool uh, in terms of being able to frame it around a uh, history in five songs uh, episode. So. Yeah, so to well, let me give you a little bit of a background, going back really only about a half hour ago, um, on my walk down to work, I uh, I pulled out one of my trusty iPod classics with uh, with five thousand albums on it. I've got two, and they both have five thousand different albums on it. Um, but I played some some old obscurities to uh, to get me in the mood to do this episode. And what I learned from these, okay, so what I played was I played Host. I played. Hell Preachers Incorporated. I played a little bit of the Ursa Major album. Dick Wagner. I played Kavas Jute. I played Haystack Balboa. Genghis Khan. Tear Gas. Um, what I learned from uh, some of these is is how important and crucial and very different the five that we're going to talk about are. Uh, there's no mistaking that they are inventing a new kind of music. Something very different is happening here. Uh, so that's what we get um, with these ones we're going to talk about. So. Without further ado, why don't we dive right into this episode and uh, and start with our number one choice. Uh, let's take a listen to it, and then we shall discuss. This is Black Sabbath, off of Black Sabbath, released February, Friday the 13th, 1970. This is NIB. Take a listen. <laughs> All right, so what we have there is uh, this is the first album that essentially uh, invents heavy metal proper. Black Sabbath came into being. Uh, you know, Geezer, Ozzy, Tony, Bill are sitting around. They've got Jim Simpson, their manager, around. They basically posit the idea, what if we made some really scary music, you know, based on based on all those Hammer Horror uh, movies we loved growing up. There was a movie called Black Sabbath. Um so the idea was, hey, let's make some really scary music. You know, Jim Simpson up there in Birmingham, he'd been, he'd been putting on all these bands from the British blues boom. Everybody was getting a little bored of the British blues boom. Along comes Black Sabbath. They come from the British blues boom from a band called Earth. Uh, you know, they morph into this idea. They've got these originals going. Basically 1969, they're playing War Pigs and the like, which are going to show up on Paranoid. But what we get with this song right away uh you know first off there's the song black sabbath and that's super important i played that on a previous episode i wanted to just sort of step out and do something different what i like about nib is that this is like a huge stack of pancakes a big stack of power chords Uh, there's no mistaking what's going on here it's not a blues song this is a very important part of the invention of heavy metal this idea that we are moving away from the blues boom. We are making a music that is not based on the blues. Uh, it's based a little bit on classical. It's based on the tritone, diablos in musica, um, and you get a little bit of that with this song. You get more of it with Black Sabbath. Um, you know, there's other, there's other things. There's Wicked World, Behind the Wall, Sleep. All these, all these pretty cool new things. You know. This album is not my favorite in terms of the invention of heavy metal, but it is absolutely the first. You've even got a scary name of a band, kind of a satanic name of a band. You've got this green witch on the cover, on this overcast sky in front of this old mill. Uh, Everything about this is saying we are uh, into a new form of music here, heavy metal. So. Really, you know, to net out what I put in my book, Who Invented Heavy Metal, and every time I give one of these talks, basically the most important album in the invention of heavy metal is Black Sabbath's debut, self-titled Black Sabbath. Okay, moving on. Um, next important record, uh, we move, you know, really just five months later, we're still in 1970. Um well let's take a listen first of all this is uh this is from deep purple in rock this is a song called hard Lovin' man <laughs> All right, there you go so what we get with this song and with this album okay so deep purple had been going before uh, they had a different lineup different bass player different lead singer they, they made these three kind of psychedelic albums that are a little bit based on the vanilla fudge format of taking taking uh, other songs and stretching them out and adding organ and uh, and making them slightly heavy and dramatic blah 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 I don't like any of those first three deep purple albums particularly much Then they went and did this bizarre classical album. Now they're back first proper rock album with, uh, you know, crucially, uh, Ian Gillen on vocals and Roger Glover on bass. These are the two additions. They're both writers. Richie Blackmore of course is a writer. Ian Pace is not writing so much. John Lord is not writing so much. This would be a problem later on in the band. Um, but what we get here right off the bat, um is a record that is uh, you know one of the things that roger glover uh, said about this record was that he wanted uh and richie blackmore said this too this was sort of the mandate for deep purple in rock they wanted anything that wasn't exciting we weren't going to put on the album so everything is super exciting on this record um and this is a very heavy record even compared to that first black sabbath i mean i've always posited that basically if um, if it came down to, you know, which of these albums, say they came out at in, in exactly the same week, the same month, uh, you know, of, of 1970, the Deep Purple album is more impressive. It's more modern. It's more classical. It's faster. It's more nimble. Uh, the Black Sabbath album has a lot of jammy qualities on it. It's got a lot of long songs. It's got a 10-minute long cover on it. So that's a big no-no um, in terms of, you know, this idea of, being a true inventor and moving forward um so deep purple hard love and man i picked this one there's all sorts of great riff rockers all over this you've got live and wreck and bloodsucker and speed king um great great songs on here you've got one long ballad child in time it's it's kind of like the proto power ballad um but it's uh, it's a classic um, but it's the only thing that's not super heavy on this on this record. I picked Hard Love and Man because what you get here is the is the staccato chug, the first kind of heavy metal gallop. To my mind Hard Love and Man is the song that predicts the rise of uh, something like an Iron Maiden 10 years later almost exactly. Um, so essentially, uh, you, you've got a new kind of heavy metal here that goes beyond you know, the template of something like a, a communication breakdown or, uh, or a Paranoid, which that album isn't out yet. Um, but essentially, you, know, you, you get this machine gun guitar effect, um, but here it's super fast. And it, and it is in the proto-Iron Maiden heavy metal gallop um, standard. So there you go. That's our number two. Um, before we move on, let's, uh, let's take a short break and we'll be right back. When we
1: dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at pantheonpodcast.com. Keep up the rockin'.
0: All right. Um, before we move on to number three, I wanted to just mention um, kind of kind of a bit of an aside. Um, you know, I, I mentioned those bands that I played on my walk down to work uh, today. Uh, I had a book come out long, long time ago. Um, well, the 70s version of the book. Long story. It's the third version. Uh, the Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal, the 70s. Um, so it's a book of something like 2,000 record reviews of, of 70s stuff, long out of print. But in the back of this book, I had a couple of cool lists. And uh, and one of them was uh, the heaviest obscurities of the 70s. And I've got that list in front of me. And I just want to mention a few of these obscurities because the point here is that, um, that there were a lot of albums all in the periphery, uh, you know, going on uh, that 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 essentially were not as good as the records we're talking about here but there were a lot of heavyish records um happening now when i say heavyish they they leaned towards other dated things um like the blues you had dated qualities like the blues you had dated qualities like garage rock but you also had the nascent qualities of something that also was brand new in 1969 70 and that's progressive rock so you had a lot of prog going on as well so i just wanted to rattle off a few names from this list i'm going to try remember which ones are not like late 70s because the heaviest albums of the 70s really happen to be you know almost by definition they are at the end of the 70s as as life gets heavier and heavier all the time um let me just run down this list and tell you a few of these of these records that were pretty heavy uh, from the '70s. So you had uh, Night Sun Morning. Um, what else is old here? Buffalo only want you for your body. I believe that's 74 cane a pound of okay, that's that's newer. Uh, atomic rooster, we're not gonna talk about here. Death walks behind you, so that was another pretty pretty heavy thing from 1970. Old here, high tide sea shanties, which is sort of an offshoot Simon House Hawkwind-related thing. Hawkwind itself is something heavy uh coming out in 70 um hard stuff bulletproof i think that's a little later bang sir lord baltimore those are two that are always mentioned as as early proto metal uh, what else here electric food flash can't remember how old that is there's your sir lord baltimore kingdom come buffalo volcanic rock um, is is early uh, mass slaughterhouse don't remember what year that's from what else is old here uh, ultra ultra don't remember how old that is warhorse warhorse uh, war pig, war pig. Uh, that's a Canadian obscurity. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, highway robbery, neon rose, Harry chapter can't get through. That's that's a cool early thing. Um, you know, one of the big uh, areas of uh, of heaviness coming out is Krautrock, uh, this idea of this uh, avant-garde prog rock, but a lot of it was pretty heavy. And in that, you had Harry Chapter and you had uh, D'Shin. I remember getting that album as a kid. Uh, what else? Ocean, Bloodrock. Bloodrock was a pretty heavy record. Uh, so that's a good American one. I believe that is 1973. Uh, Three Man Army, Ooh, Ready Teddy, Neon Rose, Birth Control. Uh, some of these might be newer. Cactus. Um, what else? Toad uh survivor all your pretty moves uh tiger tiger b smith tiger rock is an early kraut rock related one that was pretty heavy uh toad oda savage grace 2 granicus uh some of these you might be getting into the mid 70s uh euclid captain beyond there's tear gas tear gas growl bow wow signal fire um you know Bow Wow from Japan started pretty early uh let's see flax one don't remember how old that is dust dust is uh, is an overrated one uh, considered heavier than it is because of that cool album cover with the with the skeletons Um, let's see Randy Holden population two I could tell you the whole story of that one day (laughs) Uh, interviewed him bizarre story blood rock Two. Randy Holden was a was an offshoot of Blue Cheer uh, let's see what else we got here. Cactus Restrictions, Jericho, Jericho, Stray Suicide, Stray uh, should be mentioned in this discussion, Funky Junction, that's a bizarre uh, story a Tribute to Deep Purple, Asterix, Gun, Armageddon, uh, that's 1975, Dirk Steffens, Pink Fairies. Kings of Oblivion, I believe that's 73, Juan de la Cruz Band, Edgar Broughton Band, Wassa, Wassa, uh flower traveling band there's another japanese one socrates drank the conium don't remember what year that is uh knit singers pretty early alamo there's bang again colored balls australian band i think that's about 74ish irish coffee and jerusalem so there you go that was uh from my list of 100 of the heaviest obscurities of the 70s and i tried to leave out uh the, the later stuff okay so the whole point of that was to tell you that there are lots and lots and lots of these records that you could be out there uh exploring um but these are the most important ones so moving on uh number three on our list is uriah heap very heavy very humble um you know this came out uh, june thirteenth, 1970 uh, in the states it got a different album cover and it was just called uriah heap Cool thing about this uh, this record, both covers, totally different covers. They essentially look like the proto version of what Derek Riggs would come up with with Iron Maiden. So you know, Iron Maiden is is distinct because they put this ghoul on the cover, this cartoony thing. You normally wouldn't see you know overtly cartoony cover arts, but when you saw Iron Maiden, you saw this is exactly what's in the tin. This is heavy. This has got to be heavy. So. You know, your eye heap was kind of doing that 10 years earlier with these, with this ghoulish, you know, cobwebby, uh, very heavy, very humble. You know, it reminds me of Edward Munch the Scream. Uh, and then even the second one uh, is, is sort of like a Kraken monster on your eye heap, your eye heap. So uh, let's take a listen before I babble on anymore. This is a little bit of Gypsy by your eye heap. I was only 17, I fell in love with a gypsy queen. She told me, hold on. Father was the leading man, said you're not welcome on our land. And then as a foe, he told me to go. So uh, what you have there is essentially a similar sound to Deep Purple. I mean, your heap um, was practiced next door to Deep Purple. They have this really cool, uh, you know, Hammond organ heavy sound. I personally think your heap when they were on... With a song like Gypsy and also Bird of Prey, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, they actually captured this sound even better than Deep Purple, but Deep Purple kind of did it more consistently. Your Eye Heap would have Salisbury is a bit of a weird album, and then you know later they would they would kind of go into a lot of different styles. But yeah, what I love about this is just an incredible groove on this super heavy groove. Great production. Uh, you know, one thing that Mick Mick Box always says when you know people say, "Oh, you're a lot like Deep Purple." They, you know, he always famously says, "Well, we have five singers; they have one." Uh, so that was that was you know, and he says it good naturedly, and and it's cool because they have all these really crazy harmonies. Now, this is something that happens on the heaviest, heaviest, heaviest song. Um, from this era bird of prey uh very interesting what happens with bird of prey is it's it swaps in for uh you know the swapping out song is Lucy's blues so Lucy's blues is on very heavy very humble bird of prey is on your eye heap and it immensely improves the record uh in in um with black Sabbath they kind of did the same thing so they had evil woman which was a crow cover and uh, and that gets swapped out for uh, for Wicked World, which is a heavy original. Um, so their record gets better when you uh, when you move over to the states as well. Kind of kind of interesting there. So so Uriah Heap totally is in this uh, thing of inventing heavy metal. It's uh, it's not a blues based band. It's more of a classical based band. Um, uh, and and basically this album is very consistently heavy throughout. All right, so moving on uh number four on our list is a return visit uh by black sabbath uh september eighteenth, 1970 they put out their second album paranoid this is hand of doom and- All right. So what I like about this is uh, is in 1970, Black Sabbath actually makes two albums. So they they double underscore that they are the kings of heavy metal uh, at this time. And Paranoid is leaps and bounds more modern, better, heavier. Um, than the first Black Sabbath album. It's got it's got War Pigs, Iron Man, Paranoid, Hand of Doom, Fairies Wear Boots, Rat Salad. So at Planet Caravan is is sort of the, the uh the, the quiet song on it. But really, most of the rest of this, there is still some jamming going on and there's some long stuff. You know, Fairies Wear Boots is a little long. War Pigs is long, but there's a lot of cool modern heavy metal riffing going on in War Pigs. Very cool song. So Yeah. So what you hear again with this album is that uh, is basically um, they are proving that they are serious, that their heavy metalness is not an accident and a casual thing the way it is with Led Zeppelin. And frankly, the way it is with Deep Purple as time moves on. Deep Purple is a band that would kind of say, well, we're not that heavy metal. We don't want to be considered that, uh, you know, completely heavy metal uh So Black Sabbath is proving that they in fact are very heavy metal with uh, with Black Sabbath paranoid. So moving on. Number five, we have uh, Lucifer's friend from Germany. Uh, December 70 uh, is when this record comes out. This is something called Ride the Sky. Take a listen. Say There you go our last choice uh here is actually a german band um but they wisely wisely uh hire on an english singer john lawton who oddly enough would become uriah heaps uh singer later on um but what you get with this record lucifer's friend so it came out in germany you know this is this is definitely our least famous of these records i believe everything else here you know is a gold or platinum type record um you know and you know depending on what territory we're talking about but lucifer's friend is an obscurity i mean it's not that obscure uh, as a lot of the things i mentioned uh, off of that crazy list um but it is a pretty obscure record you know it didn't do do anything really i it did come out in the states on a, on a small obscure label called billingsgate but this record throughout is quite heavy and it's definitely in that your eye heat black sabbath mode so it it has a little bit of a datedness it has it has a small percentage of blues it has a small percentage of prog of garaginess of being a keyboard band uh you know oddly you know we have we have two other keyboard bands in here keyboards is not considered a, a heavy metal thing and uh, and moving forward there will be less and less keyboards in our in our you know or uh, uh, slide rule, uh, you know, or, or top shelf heavy metal uh, or unarguably heavy metal bands. Um, but just by a quirk of history, uh, you know, we do have Deep Purple and Black Sabbath in here, and now we have Lucifer's Friend in here, so it's kind of odd. So they're all kind of in that same boat. Black Sabbath is not in this boat. Black Sabbath is essentially a power trio, no keyboards, you know, standing lead vocalist, one guitar, blah, blah, blah. Um, But there you go. So 1970, uh, you know, the true invention of heavy metal where we strip away, you know, the argument I always make, and I I always get into debates with people about this, but I think heavy metal becomes invented when the blues is stripped out of it. When everybody says we are bored with the British blues boom, let's move on. You get that that doomy devil's tritone in there, the Diablos in Musica. You have more of a, you know, um, a... uh, something that is derived from classical rock, maybe a little bit of prog in there as well. Um, But but we're leaving the blues behind and we're coming up with something uh, entirely new here. So, uh, that's it for this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Tell me, uh, tell me what you think. I mean, uh, you can comment on my Facebook. You can email me at martinp at inforamp.net. Um, I've got a site with all my books. I've got, I've written 80, 80 plus, 85 books on heavy metal. That's at martinpopoff.com, but my email address is there as well, um, so you can find me there. Um, but yeah, Facebook me. I'm pretty good with my Facebook. Send me some, uh, some other show ideas. Would love to hear them. Um, but that's it for now. Um, this is uh, Martin Popoff signing off for History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We shall see you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts.